Welcome back to the Arbitrary Archive, the show where siblings DJ and Travis attempt to catalog all of human culture just one word at a time, all under the guidance of a sentient and hopefully benevolent artificial intelligence named Jeff. Every week, Jeff gives us a one-word category, and Travis and I must find a piece of media or artwork to contribute to the Arbitrary Archive that fits that category. This week, Jeff has given us the word bestial. So, Trav, what were you able to find to contribute to the Arbitrary Archive in the category of bestial? I am going to contribute the video... Yeah, I guess you would just call it a video game, even though it's a... Magic the Gathering Arena is an adaptation of the card, the trading card game Magic the Gathering. Magic the Gathering being the f- the first card game of its type. If you think of any card game like Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh, any of those, or, or anything like that, that involves collecting and trading cards to build decks and then compete against opponents, Magic the Gathering was the first uh, they've recently released a video game version. There have already there have already been online uh, digital versions of the game, most notably in the form of Magic Online, which has existed for a long time. But now they've released Magic the Gathering Arena. Magic the Gathering Arena is a much uh, is is much closer to uh, a Hearthstone experience than like a pure simulation of of the card game experience. So the uh, the the game plays animations when you play cards, and a lot of the uh, the stuff you'd have to keep track of in your head or or with like counters uh, is done automatically by the computer. Um, so it sort of streamlines the experience of playing Magic: The Gathering. There's also like in-game reward systems too, right? Like you're you're leveling up right. as you compete against these opponents, and if I'm understanding correctly, you can also gather like gems and coins, which are you know a, a pseudo uh, a, a pseudo currency that can be used to uh, purchase more packs to expand your collection of cards. That's correct. You earn coins by completing quests. You can spend coins to either buy packs or to play bonus game modes, stuff like Draft, where uh, I guess I don't need to go into it that deeply. Um, but it's you know, essentially a bonus game mode that you would normally only otherwise get to play by buying gems with real money. The gems can also be used to buy packs as well. Magic the Gathering Arena is clearly an attempt to... Uh, compete with the likes of Hearthstone. It's current. I can't remember if it's closed or open beta right now, but uh, it's in beta test, and I've been playing it. I have been a fan of Magic on and off for a long time. DJ, you and I played it a lot uh, in our earlier years, and so it's been fun to re- be able to revisit it without having to dedicate a whole bunch of money to. Uh, to buying individual decks when I wouldn't have in-person folks to play with, likely. I mean, I could take the plunge and like go to my local Friday Night Magic and play against strangers and, and get um, my butt handed to me by people who know what they're doing in, in the game. Uh, or <laughs> I can just play Magic the Gathering Arena and have that experience still happen where I'm losing miserably, <laughs> but at least it's to people whose faces I can't see. Um I, I, so I have mixed feelings about Magic the Gathering Arena, mostly positive. Um, positive in that I think they've done just about as good of a job as you possibly can to have a digital version of this admittedly 
complex game, fluid, and um, it, it makes sense and, and, it, and it works in a digital format as well as I think is possible that the the game makes it pretty clear like there are cards in Magic that you can play at any time, including your opponent's turn, and then there are cards that you can only play during the main sections of your own turn, and I think the game makes it pretty clear uh, when your opportunities to play those cards on your opponent's turn uh, arise, uh, because if if there's no if there's nothing you could do, it'll just skip because it'll just skip that part because it knows there's nothing you could do in response to a given action. But if you have the capability to respond with one of the uh, called instants, the cards you can play whenever, if you have the opportunity to play a card like that, it'll wait for you to confirm: Do I want to let my opponent's action just resolve as normal, or do I want to play my instant card in response? And I think that's a really clean way of doing it. I think the yeah, animation- this strength of the arena, like I think, can't be overstated because, like, it it was a daunting task that these programmers took on trying yeah. to create like an intuitive interface for this game. Because, as you mentioned, Trav, magic is complex. Like, this game has been around for decades, and it has just continued to like blossom out into greater and greater complexity and to the point so i i I didn't actually play the arena i was watching some streams of it i was watching a uh sponsored stream that uh day nine was doing with wizards of the coast day nine is awesome yeah, he's really cool, and he's he's got some great streams up there of of playing through this. And he at one point he's like, okay, I want to ask my followers, you know, who of you has played Magic: The Gathering before? And so a bunch of them say they haven't. And so he starts kind of like explaining the game, but then I think he realizes that Magic it's like so complicated that it you can just say, oh, you use mana to cast spells, and that that's like the basic idea of it. But as you're pointing out, Trev, the the timing of when certain things happen and when you're allowed to do certain things is just it can be mind-boggling it almost can't be described verbally so the fact that the programmers were able to create an interface that uh, is intuitive Mm -hmm. and that handles that system is really remarkable and then the other thing that's crazy is like because so many different card mechanics have been developed over these decades it's like some some individual cards, like the programmers must have read the card and be, been like, okay, I you know, I need to create an entire module just to handle this card. Like that's right. There's yeah. some, there, there some cards that say things like, you know, when this card comes into play, name a creature type. And it's like so that you know, that works when you're playing like a physical head to head with the- vampires or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But there are like thousands of creatures, there's like dinosaurs and zombies. So I don't even know how that card would work. Is there like a drop down menu that comes up? I haven't up played or any cards like that. I've played against them, certainly. So maybe it's a, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you start typing and then it auto fills. I don't, I, I don't know because I haven't used those cards myself, but I've certainly played against people using them and they seem to function fine. Yeah. It's or maybe like, it's so only lit. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's like there's not necessarily a one size fits all um like uh, algorithm that the programmers can write to just so like Hearthstone for example, right? Hearthstone came into being within the context of its interface. So like the the right. two are like seemingly fused whereas this one they had to lay the interface over top of something that was already like labyrinthian in its complexity and I, I think they re- they did what seems to be a really stand up job. I totally agree and I think that summarizes uh my the my positive feelings about the game because I do quite enjoy it. I do have a few negative things to say about it. Number one, 
and this is unavoidable, I, I don't think this is a mistake of the developers or the designers, but there's some ways in which playing Magic digitally, there are some problems with, with that experience that I'm not sure you can overcome. Namely, when I'm comparing this to uh, games like Hearthstone that you mentioned that are designed from the ground up to be digital card games, as you mentioned, the experience is designed uh, around that concept. So I was previously talking about how you can play cards on your opponent's turn. When I'm playing a card game on my computer, a game that requires me to to wait for the actions of a stranger I can't see or talk to, and then they take a long time to take their action, I'm playing this game on a computer. I'm gonna be looking at Twitter. There's nothing you can do to stop me <laughs> from tabbing over and looking at Twitter while I wait for the other person to decide if they want to spend the two mana to play lightning bolt on the creature I just played. And then by the time I look back, Oh, actually they're waiting on me because I was on Twitter waiting on them, but they already did their thing. And so you end up like it's, it's this rough situation where, where it's never extremely clear when it's, when it's your action or when it's not, unless you're actively looking at the screen, uh, which there are too many distractions in our in our modern life for that to be possible. Uh, and then second, and I don't, and I think this is just a missed opportunity so far. This is in beta, and this is a feature they will add. But it seems to be a strange choice that you can't play against friends right now. Um, that feature will be added later, but the only thing you can do right now is play against random people that you queue up to on the on the ladder when you hit quick play or whatever. There's no function to add a friend and play games with them. So if you were to say, hey, friend, let's play you should play Magic the Gathering Arena. And then their response is, cool, can you I've never played Magic. Can you teach me if, if we play some games together on it? And then your response is no. Uh, because that function <laughs> isn't there yet. And as a result no one who's playing it is new to magic. Uh, pr it seems as though the case is that, like, I mean, just by g given the fact that, like, the people I'm playing against have spent money on this game or at least spent a lot of time to get the exact deck list they need, uh, it doesn't seem like there are a lot of people who are learning the mechanics uh, just on the queue, and as a result, I bet new players who are completely new to magic aren't really going to enjoy this experience until they add that that ability to play against friends because as it stands the tutorial is fine at teaching you the basics but there's so much more than the basics to a game of Magic the Gathering that I'm not sure you're actually really going to learn how to play satisfactorily through Magic the Gathering Arena unfortunately and you can't play against your friends right now and that's also unfortunate but uh, I think once they add that feature, it'll be like a wholehearty recommendation from me as opposed to this uh, mitigated one. DJ, you want to say anything else based on what I've that, said? Yeah, that is kind of shocking that they don't have a, a casual play mode where you can play with your friends because it seems like that's, yeah, that would be a huge barrier to entry for folks. Like, did they have a tutorial in there, Trav? Because like, yes. I, I, as you pointed out, like it, the odds of a new Magic player coming into this, it seems like... Uh, an insurmountable task like there are spells in here that be like you know target creature with vigilance explores each time a vampire does combat damage and like <laughs> you, you you like have that to is know a theoretic, that is theoretical <laughs> card text 
You have to like know what what you know, vigilance probably is. Say what enchanted explore creature. That's fine. Yeah. Like so, do they? How does the tutorial handle all of that? Like, does so is it, it like gives a you a rundown of, of the most common keywords, the all of the basic mechanics that aren't going to change. So it goes over. You can play sorcery spells and creature spells on your turn. You. Uh, and enchantments and artifacts. You can play instants on your turn or whenever you want. Um, trample means a creature deals uh, any excess damage to the from combat to the player directly. Flying means they can only be blocked by creatures with flying. It goes over sort of the basic keywords that have been in the game forever and the basic concepts of like uh, recurring things you'll see, like cards that say whenever thing happens do other thing like it'll show it'll show like the basics of the kinds of things you'll see and also shows you how if you don't know a keyword that you can hover over the card and then there will be some explainer text about what that keyword means um so it does a fairly decent job but i don't think anybody is gonna have no experience with magic play that tutorial and not have a bad time when they queue up against strangers with their like pre-made-by-the-game deck. Yeah, I uh, I'm very like hot and cold on on card games, and it's not that I ever don't enjoy them. It's just that they're all so complex that it takes a huge amount of ment- momentum for me to like get interested in them again and so but watching these videos of magic the gathering arena has definitely like reawakened my desire to play card games and that's probably at least one of the goals that they were going for. oh definitely yeah so that's a recommendation from me it'll be wholehearty once they uh implement some more uh casual features dj what is your contribution this week under oh i forgot to say uh, it fits the category of bestial because beast is a creature type in Magic the Gathering. There are a lot of beasties that are labeled as beasts. You got your mammoths, you got your uh, aurochs, you got your uh, kavu titans. That's just a card that's in my deck. Anyway, uh, DJ, what is your contribution this week under the category of bestial? Yeah, so I'm going to contribute the 2014 um, horror film from Kevin Smith called Tusk. Uh, the reason this fits the category, uh, this is like one of those stunt horror films that was really popular kind of in the mid, um, you know, uh, 2010s. I guess we're still kind of in that period, but um, basically have some crazy concept that the audience knows going in um, mm. and then just go and watch the movie and see that thing happen. So like Human Centipede is another example, right? These, see, you know going in what you're getting yourself in for, and so there aren't many surprises, but you just kind of want to see the shocking thing happen. So in this case, the movie is Tusk, and the thing that pretty much everybody knows going into this movie is that one of the central characters is going to get turned into a walrus. Um, so that's not the by thing. magical means, by uh, like surgical, troublingly uh, surgical means. That's right. That's right. Um, distressingly uh, realistic means. Yeah. Um, and so, so that's the premise of the film. The uh, Kevin Smith got the idea for the movie from his podcast. Kevin Smith being, you know, one of those really famous podcast folk who who got in on the the medium when it was really just getting off the ground um and so apparently during one of his podcast episodes they found a classified ad of someone who 
who was going to offer room and board for someone who would be willing to dress as a walrus. And the classified ad ended up being a prank, uh, but Kevin Smith liked the idea so much that he decided to make a movie out of it. Um, and so, yeah, this is very much a stunt film. Um, and so, you know, if that premise sounds intriguing to you, like you're going to see that thing happen in the movie. Um, <laughs> it does that- what it says on the tin. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, so I guess the question becomes like, does it do anything more than that? Um, I think the answer is partially yes, certainly more so than other stunt films like Human Centipede, which are kind of just complete garbage. I think Tusk has more charm to it um, and and more that could potentially get me to recommend this movie. Um, one of which is the I think all the performances are are pretty on point. Um, Justin Long in particular plays the protagonist. He's kind of playing a stand in for Kevin Smith himself. Um, so one of the things that's interesting about this movie is that the central characters are podcasters. And Trav, given that yeah. you and I really enjoy listening to podcasts and making podcasts, there's there's interesting. Uh, well. Uh, uh, and also it is set in Winnipeg, Manitoba. So <laughs> I knew you I would live. enjoy that. I knew you would enjoy that. There's a lot of great, uh, Canada humor. I'm not sure that all of it lands, oh, but no, it's uh, almost none of it. And it's also yeah. definitely not shot in, uh, Manitoba or Winnipeg, but it's fine. I got, I, I enjoyed <laughs> it. The accent is all wrong for the region, but it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, the- they get some of the stuff right, but but yeah, you as uh, living there definitely know more about it at this point than <laughs> I do. Um, so yeah, I, I think Justin Long is uh, is he's just like a really charismatic guy. Like I I really enjoy all of his performances yeah. whenever he shows up in a movie. I think he's really great. Potentially even when like, he's underrated. kind of a slime ball, like he is in this movie. Yeah, he's playing a really unlikable character, but somehow makes him likable. It's that kind of character who is he's like a really intelligent guy, like very cultured, but chooses to be just an ab like the absolute worst. Like you are the <laughs> worst, but but somehow it's it's just like I don't know somehow engaging at the same time. He does a great job with it, and then you have um, Michael Parks, who's kind of the centerpiece of this movie. Um, he's Michael Park seems to be like the muse of these, uh, these directors like Kevin Smith and Quentin Tarantino, these really dialogue heavy directors. Um, uh, I think because Michael Parks has this really like whispery voice that he, I, I can't even, I can't even do it like that he delivered and he, so they, you know, write all these scenes for him where he delivers these long monologues and narratives. Um, Red State is another uh, example where Kevin Smith used Michael Parks to to great effect there in the, in the same way. Um, and so I think Michael Parks is great here too. And then um, as fitting for a, a stunt horror movie, there's also some stunt casting that happens in the third act of this movie. Uh, there's a cameo role by like an A-list actor that I won't give away, Um it's it's extremely over the top and uh-huh. doesn't to- doesn't totally work. Um, but I love stunt casting. Like it, it's just one of my favorite things ever. Um, and so I, I I enjoyed that charming little aspect of it. And then the other thing that I liked about Tusk is um, so Kevin Smith has also. Uh, expressed in various interviews that he is a huge X-Files fan. Um, and Trav, you and I love the X-Files. Great uh-huh. show, very formative to our appreciation of media. Uh, and this show, this movie, Tusk, feels kind of like a Monster of the Week X-Files episode. Mm. Um, you got some like great, interesting characters. 
a story that kind of just has this weird bookend to it um, that doesn't totally resolve everything. Um, and the ending kind of feels tacked on, but almost in a way that makes it more charming. So all of that came together for me to actually like enjoy Tusk. Although, you know, it's not saying much beyond the general premise of, Hey, watch this person get turned into a walrus. Like there's some commentary on, you know, don't be, an evil exploitative podcaster, but it's all <laughs> it's all very surface level and not very uh, and universally like, applicable. Super on the nose, like what does it mean to be man? <laughs> that's right, that's right. There's a lot of uh, man versus his own internal nature uh, themes being explicitly explored. But yeah, you get to see Michael Parks like reciting Tennyson and the rhyme of the ancient mariner. Yeah. So there. There's there's enough going on here that I think I recommend this movie if you're into horror. It's fairly disturbing at times, so if horror is not your bag, this isn't a good jumping on point. Um, and you know it's not a complete home run, so it's a tempered recommendation from me. What what were your thoughts on it, Trav? It's kind of hard for me to have that many complaints about Tusk when it does exactly what it sets out to do. <laughs> if that makes sense, it's like I didn't really enjoy myself <laughs> but <laughs> when the movie says hey this is gonna be a real gruesome movie where a guy wears a skin suit that makes him uh look like a walrus and like yeah that's that's what it is um i i mean there are there are certainly criticisms i can level number one i think a lot of the dialogue is pretty contrived um there's like the like the, all the parts where where uh people are quoting Hemingway or whatever. And then the other character is like, ah, Hemingway. Are ju- I, it's, it's just real rough to watch. And it just feels like so arbitrary and um, kind of uh, self-congratulatory in the fact that, ah, yes, this, this, this walrus movie knows who Hemingway is. Um, but yeah, it's exactly what it tries to be and it succeeds flawlessly i think at doing the exact thing it's trying to do i didn't necessarily enjoy the thing that it was i do agree that i enjoyed justin long's performance i enjoy seeing Haley joel osmond do anything uh because i spend so much of my life hearing his voice when i do a kingdom hearts podcast that seeing him uh live action is just strange to me now um, wow, does he play like? Is he Sora? That's is correct. That, yeah. Wow, that's did, so. Does he do it throughout the entire Kingdom Hearts? Uh, yeah, he goes through puberty at one point. So in <laughs> Kingdom Hearts One, you're never taking Kyrie's heart. Is Kingdom Hearts One, and then Kingdom Hearts Two is like, God, gee, Riku, like it completely changes. Anyway, that's beside the point. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's there's a lot to be enjoyed here. I think the Jokes aren't that funny, frankly, when they do appear, because it is a bit of a comedy horror, um, and I think s- some of the jokes are maybe kind of funny, and others seem like complete low-hanging fruit. Um, but the parts that are meant to be harrowing, gruesome, are certainly both of those things. So, it's fine. <laughs> I would caveat that, like, you know what you're getting into, so... Uh, don't blame me if you get exactly what you're getting into <laughs> when I say it's fine if you want this thing, it's there. 
It sets low goals. It meets those goals. I don't goals. even know if they're. Lo- I don't even know if they're low. I just think they're, they're just they're, very specific. They're very specific and goals that I don't happen to share. <laughs> <laughs> you did it. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it sounds like a, a lukewarm recommendation at best from you, Trav, and a, a slightly positive recommendation from me. Um, so that's our exploration of the category. Trav, shall we check in with Jeff for our next assignment? Yeah, let's do it. Airspace, 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 airspace. DJ, our one-word category for next week from the artificial intelligence, Jeff, is airspace. Airspace, wow, that... Talk about specific stuff. There's another one. I feel like it's going to be pretty easy, though. There's a lot of movies about planes. That's true. You can find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash arbitrary show. You can email us at arbitraryarchive at gmail.com. Please rate and review us on iTunes. The fifth star is our favorite. Our theme music is by Alistair Forsyth of the podcast Bite Size Lemons. And as always, if in creating this archive we inadvertently cause the very apocalypse that we are trying to prevent, we sincerely apologize. Sorry.